Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everyone. If you heard in Steve's welcome, today we're going to have a special Sunday because it's going to be Elder and Deacon, I want to say a blessing and commissioning Sunday. So let me let me give you an outline of what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about leadership. Some of it's going to be for all of us. Some of it's going to be directed towards church. Some of it's going to be directed towards the elders and the deacons. And then after that, I would like to introduce to you who our next elders and deacons will be and then have a commissioning time. And during that commissioning, I'll have those elders stand and, uh, and then I'll have the deacons stand and then I'll have the church stand um, and then we'll close with a prayer. But I'd like to start with a prayer. Because even though this doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, there is something about the fact that this is New Year's Eve and a new year is starting. And I would like to just pray and recognize the fact that some of you in here, this has been a joyous year. And some of you in here, this has been a difficult year. And for all of us in here, it's probably been a mixture of both. Um, All of you can think of people this year that have had a baby, whether it's you personally or whether it's someone that you care about. And it's it's been a great year. And then all of us can also think about loved ones that we've lost this year. And so I'd just like if you'd be willing, let's, uh, let's pray uh, for, for that. If you would join me. Dear God, uh, as we come to the close of this year, we want to just take a moment to ask you to be with everyone who's here and everyone watching online who has had a tough 2023, where at some point in this year they had seasons where they would say, this is a difficult time whether it's because of a health reason, whether it's because of a family uh, situation, whether it's a work, career thing. We know people, and we've experienced personally, the feeling of getting let go from jobs this year, uh, losing a mom, a loved one. This year has been full of that. And we ask God that you would be with all of us as we reflect on this year and the difficulty of it. But God, we also ask that we are able to reflect and look back and see the ways that you never left us in this year, and that you've sustained us every day through all those times. And we also ask, God, that you would help us as we rejoice with those who rejoice over the many blessings that we've received this year, people who have received a new home, people who have had a new child, people who have experienced wonderful things happen in their family with a marriage or all sorts of things like that. And God, we just pray that you would help us to remember those times too and also see that in those good times, You were with us, sustaining us, and then give us hope for the fact that you're going to continue to do that next year and in all the years to come. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first thing I'd like to talk about, I am going to say some things that you've probably already heard me reiterate, but I'd like to talk for a second about what leadership looks like to Jesus. Because as you've heard me say before, Jesus does not ever talk about leadership. And you've kind of got to wonder why. Why, Jesus? It's such a big topic. It's such a big deal. Why do you never talk about it? And this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus knew just how easy it is for all of us as people with our, uh, our tendency to do things the wrong way to take leadership and turn it into something that he never wanted it to be. And so in a way to avoid it, he almost completely skirts the conversation. And so I've got an analogy for you. There's a, a quote that many of you have heard. I've heard it many times. I never knew who said it, but I looked it up, and it's by a guy named Lord Acton. Not Lord Action, Lord Acton uh, from Britain. 
who says this quote, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. How many of you have you heard that quote before? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I believe that's true. And I believe that Jesus knew that that's true too. I believe that Jesus knew that the more we use phrases like leader and in charge and power, the more tendency we have for it to corrupt us. And Jesus is not interested in us being corrupted. And so I think what you'll see what Jesus did is he constantly took the term and the title and the position of leader and he constantly used the word servant and service. So I'm going to take Lord Acton's quote and I'm going to flip it on its head for Jesus because this is what I think Jesus would say. Service encourages, or you could say service, service uplifts and builds. And absolute service encourages absolutely. Let me read that again. Service encourages, and absolute service encourages absolutely. And so let's look at some examples where we see from Jesus, his desire to get power out of there and get service in their heads and in their minds. You want to lead? then you need to serve. So let's begin with this. First, at Jesus' baptism, Jesus walks up to John the Baptist and he says, I'd like you to baptize me. And what does John the Baptist say? He's like, no, no, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus doesn't go, you're right. I am the leader. I'm in charge. I should baptize you. No, he says, no, I need to do this. I need you to baptize me. Whenever Jesus and the disciples are walking on, along the road, James and John's mother comes along to talk to Jesus. His mom is like, well, you know, my sons aren't starting enough on the basketball team, so I'm going to have a word with the boss. So they, she shows up, and she talks to Jesus, and she says this in Matthew 20. Or it says this, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. So she sees what's happening. She sees that Jesus is on his way to power, to kingdom stuff. And she says, can you please make sure that one of my sons, both my sons are next to you when you come into your leadership, your power. And he says, you don't know what you're asking, thinking about the cross, thinking about those who are on either side of him at his enthronement says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. So they're going, oh man, he's going to pick someone else to be his lieutenant, to be his vice president. I know that's not exactly what I'm saying. But then he says this, or then it says, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Hey, how come you think you're going to be his lieutenants? We, I, you know, I'm Peter. I'm going to be on his right hand. I'm, you know, I'm Andrew. I'm the one that found the kid with the bread and the loaves. I'm going to be one of his top captains. So they're really upset that they used their mom to weasel their way in to be the leaders in power. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know, listen, I need to kind of give y'all a heads up. I can tell y'all are thinking about leading and y'all are wanting to be leaders with me and empower with me. But you've got to know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what ruling looks like in your minds. And that's what the people who don't have God as their God, that's what they do. Not so with you. 
Not so with those of us who follow God. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Another story that we have is Jesus up in the upper room before his death. It says that he washes the disciples' feet. And what is, what is the response? Remember? He says, no, you can't wash my feet. I'm below you. You are more important than me. And the lowest people are the ones that wash feet. And you're the top. And he says, if I don't wash you, then you can't be with me. And he says, okay, well, in that case, wash all of me. But we see, once again, Jesus, in his moment of, in his last moments, he is trying to reiterate to all of them, if you want to be a leader in our movement, you have got to take the lowest place. The one that washes feet. Paul, he's going to put it like this. I think Doug did a great job with his communion, trying to just say, how insane is this that a man would be willing to die for us? And Paul says the same thing. And Paul even takes it further. He says, not only how insane is this that a man would die for us, how is it? how insane is it that God, with all the power that he has, he would be willing to become a man. And not just become a man, but then he would be willing to die and not just to die, but he would be willing to die on a cross. Not even just a pleasant death of old age, but a, a brutal death. And so he says it like this in his Christ hymn, what we often believe is one of the very first songs that we ever have seen in Scripture. He says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, like many leaders do. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So not only did he say, you know what, I'm going to lower myself. I'm going to become, uh, I'm going to lower myself from God. I'm going to become a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. And not even that, even death on a cross. And therefore, because he took the lowest place, what did God do? God exalted him the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Would you like to be in power? Would you like to lead? Take the lowest place, and God's going to take care of the rest. If you would like to be someone who finds yourself in power, I also believe Scripture testifies that he's going to have no trouble humbling you to the lowest place. Okay. The Apostle Paul, his favorite word for church leaders was servant. That's his favorite thing he likes to say. Whether it's doulos, which often is translated slave, or whether it's diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon. Paul is constantly saying, you need to respect those who serve among you. And he's referring to the leaders. Now, many of you can go ahead and check out at this point, but I have a reference to a movie that probably only the teens are going to get. But how many of you are familiar with the movie Monsters, Inc.? Anybody heard of this movie, Monsters, Inc.? Okay, it's a fantastic movie. Let me give you the premise, if you're not familiar with it. It's a children's story, and the premise is that monsters, they have their own little city, and the way that they power their city is by scaring children. And the way they do that is they get children's bedroom closets, they go in there and they scare the kids, and then once they scare the kids, they get a lot of energy, scream, scare energy. And that's what powers their city, okay? 
And the big twist of the movie is at the very end when they realize that, yeah, scream energy is powerful. But does anybody remember what's the real powerful thing? Laughter. Okay? Because what happens is one of the monsters accidentally gets one of the kids to laugh, and it fills up the energy ten times faster than the screams. Okay? And so then all of a sudden, the, the premise at the end of the movie is instead of monsters going into kids' rooms to scare them, monsters go into kids' rooms to perform and try and get them to laugh. You know, they do gags to try and get all the kids to laugh because laughing energy is so much more. Okay? Now, what on earth does this have to do with what we're talking about? <laughs> I believe that Jesus knows, yes, it's true. There are plenty of leaders out there who can lead by the world's definition of power. And yeah, it's going to have a certain level of power. But Jesus knows that the truth is, it is nothing compared to servant power. You with me? The monsters believed that the screams was a good source of power, and they learned that laughter was ten times better. The world knows, yeah, there's plenty of power in lording over people. I'm a great leader because I've read all of those great leadership books. I'm a great leader because I took that class in college called How to Be a Leader. I'm a great leader because I watched some kid on YouTube tell me what it means to lead. I'm a great leader because I read Nick Saban's book. That has some power, but it is nothing compared to this kind of servant leader power. Okay? You with me? All right. So now, the question that we always have to ask ourselves when we do elder deacon nominations is this. Why on earth should I have to submit to these men? So I know like we're all like we're all in a church and all this, but you're telling me that I have to submit to what they say? Here's the question that I think is very important, and the answer is yes. One thing I could say that is not going to be satisfactory is I could tell you the answer is yes because the Bible says you should. But sometimes that is the best answer. There's plenty of times where it's like, why should I submit to God being God? Because he's God. Okay? There's a place for that. But that is not a satisfactory answer for right now. So let me give you the real answer. There is, throughout Scripture, and I'm going to say, I believe, in every single aspect. I didn't, I didn't like, you can come argue with me afterwards if you found one that's a, a, not a good analogy. But in every single healthy example in Scripture where someone commands people to submit, he always commands the greater, the leader party, to submit even more. Let me say that again. Anytime in Scripture he says, you should submit to this person. He always, always, always says that the person that you're submitting to is called to an even greater level of submission. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and die for them. Even greater level of submission. Submission. You should submit to your elders. Elders, you should serve and be outserving everyone else in your congregation. Why should we submit to Christ? Well, the answer is because he's Christ. But also, did anyone out-submit to Jesus? Have any one of us ever, you know, uh, Ronnie made the comment, he said, isn't it a blessing to be a sheep? The answer is no if you have a bad shepherd. The answer is yes if Christ is your shepherd. I would love to submit to him being my shepherd. And I know that none of these men that are elders and deacons are Christ. But you know what they're going to try and do? They're going to try to emulate Christ by out-submitting and serving you. You with me? Okay, so 
Why do we submit to Christ as Lord? Because he is God and because it comes after his initial love and servanthood toward us. Is there anyone else you'd rather surrender to than someone who said, I am going to die for you because I love you so much. I'm going to empty myself all the way even to the cross for you. That sounds like someone I'm interested in submitting to. So now I have a commission for those who are going to be elders and deacons. Jesus did not come to establish a business. Jesus did not come and say, go into all the world and create 501c3s. If he did, he would have told us how to choose a board of directors. Jesus did not come to do that, so you are not called to be a board of directors. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God, and he entrusted that work to his church, his body, his ambassadors. And so instead of calling a board of directors, he called us to choose caretakers and servants to see that that work happens. Their sole task is to help you individually and us communal, communally to get as close to the image of God of what the body of Christ is designed to be. And for us, this image, not just of me being the image of God, but for us being the image of the city on a hill, a light on a hill, that is their task. Not to be a group of board of directors. And I'll say it like this. I tell Landry Joe all the time, and I'm glad she can repeat it to me. Landry Joe, what is the one thing that I care about you finding in a spouse? And she'll tell you that they love Jesus. I don't care about any of the rest of it. If you told me Landry Joe found someone that loves Jesus and everything else is not how I would want it, their amount of income they have, their background, their blah, 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 all of that is wrong. But they love Jesus, I would rather have that than her finding someone who has everything right but isn't pursuing Jesus. You with me? The same is true with a board of directors. There are lots of churches that have amazing boards of directors, but what Jesus would call them is whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they look great. Look at the budget. Look at the attendance. Look at how well we're running this ship. Is Christ in the center of it or not? Because if it's not, it's dead. I would rather our budget stink, which it doesn't. I would rather our attendance stink, which it doesn't. I would rather all these things be bad, our songs to be terrible, our messages in Bible class to be, well, they're not really a good teacher. I will take all of that if you told me that at the center is a group of men who have said, we want to help each and every person in this room become the pinnacle of who God designed them to be in Christ. And that we as a group embody the pinnacle, as close as we can possibly get, to what Christian love looks like among each other and in our community. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you very much. Sorry. All right. The last commission I have, and then I'm going to get to the commission, or the last thing I have for y'all before I get to the commissioning is this. From 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Now we ask you, church, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. This is an example of Paul talking to the church about their elders. He doesn't call them elders. He doesn't call them deacons. But he's saying, you know those people in your church who work really hard and who are willing to the word is admonish, who are willing to say, hey, this isn't the way that Christ would probably want us to go. Here's what he tells them to do. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. I've never met someone who served as an elder and said, man, that was a lot of fun. If you, if you have, come tell me. 
I've never met someone who was like, man, that was a walk in the park. It was really enjoyable and easy. These men who are saying yes to this are not doing this because of the salary bump. They are doing this because the Spirit has led y'all to ask them to serve and to say, I am entrusting to you the care of my spiritual life and our congregation's spiritual life. Now, obviously, no one can care for your spiritual life like you caring about it. But we need people that we're saying, hey, I would like you to help hold me accountable to my walk with Jesus. I would like you to help hold us accountable to being the body of Christ that, that Jesus wants us to be. And you put these names down. And so we need to make sure that we are constantly saying to ourselves, these guys aren't doing this because they got handpicked by someone else and sit here and said they're going to govern over us. We chose them. We need to respect them and hold them, as Paul would say, in the highest regard in love. All right? Let's do that together. Let's be the church. By the way, I think we do this well. Let's be the church that whenever elders and deacons, their term is done, that they say, I never felt so encouraged in my life than by the way these people talked to me and encouraged me and prayed for me. All right. Let me tell you who our elders and deacons are going to be for the next three years. Uh, you don't have to stand when I say your name or anything, but Butch Keller. Everyone feels more comfortable knowing that Butch is one of our elders. He brings longevity, trust, wisdom, and stability. He is a peacemaker in every room that he walks in. Raymond Tennyson. I wonder if anyone spends more of their spare time thinking about how to improve and enhance our church than Raymond. Raymond loves being a part of this community and blessing it. He is a first person here, last person to leave type of servant in numerous ways. Ronnie Baker loves people. He interacts with the congregation as someone who's engaging with a family. Ronnie loves to help people in need, and he cares about our church being an outwardly focused church. Steve Clifton, many of us have never been around a person who is smarter and wiser than Steve and more humble than Steve. Many of us have never met someone as generous and hospitable as Steve. When you talk with Steve, you know you have 100% of his attention. You might be talking for a few hours, but you have his attention. He <laughs> is a non-anxious presence. Tim Moore. Tim is an encourager. Tim was making visit visitors feel welcome in our community even after he had only been here for a week. Tim has experience with leading and serving local churches for over 40 years and with a unique perspective as a former preacher. His background and love for God and his word will be a gift to this church. Now our deacons, Andrew Cosper, nearly every Sunday morning I pray with Andrew Cosper before these services. And you can tell just how much this church family means to him and how much it means to him for this time of worship to be thoughtful and centered on Christ. Andrew gives countless hours of time to help make our service an uplifting experience and an offering to God. Ryan Hunt is someone that people in our church know for his willingness to help with any project, whatever it may be, whether it's teaching the teens or hauling trash in neighborhood Clifton or running the games at VBS with Shantae. People also admire the reputation and presence that he demonstrates in the community. As I have often remarked, and many of us have said this, I do not think there is a single person in Clifton who does not like Ryan and Shantae Hunt. Brent Greeley is the first call Melissa and I make when anything is broken at the church or with the van. Brent is frequently one of the first people to volunteer for tasks that bless our community. With the food bank, 
with Fall Fest or the police department's night out, Brent does not want to be an upfront person, but he loves to serve without recognition behind the scenes. Jason Williams is an invaluable part of what we do here. I know that there are a lot of people who have contributed to what we do with the teams, but no person deserves more credit over the last seven to 10 years for our youth group being a functioning group than Jason and Katie. Jason is an enormous factor in the culture of our church being as healthy as it is. Ray Sorrells is just one of the best men at our church. He is a gift to anyone who has had the pleasure to sit by him for any length of time. In his retirement, Ray is very available to help when others may be at work. Melissa and I constantly find ourselves needing help with a project on a weekday, and we reach out to Ray because we know he is willing to help and he will be a great reflection of Christ in our church while he does it. So at this time, I'm going to ask those of you who are nominated to be an elder to stand while I have a commissioning for you all. So if you've been nominated for elder, would you please stand? Just elders. As men called to loving our God and loving others, you are committing to keep watch over yourselves to ensure that you walk day by day with integrity. You are committing to leading your family in the right paths and as much as possible living beyond the reproach of others for the sake of Christ and his church. Today you commit to watching over this congregation, the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, and you are committing to pray for us, to visit us, to rejoice with us in the good times, and to minister to us in hardship, to bind our wounds and lead us where the true shepherd Jesus wants to take us. You are committing to guarding this congregation from anything that would lead us away from Christ and his purposes. You are committing to guard the hearts of our families from those things that would divide our families and our church, to protect our faith by committing to the word of God. Elders, if you are willing to commit to this, please respond by saying, I will. Y'all can sit down. Deacons, if you would, please stand up. The first instance we have in the Bible of deacons was when the church in Acts needed to serve those who were unable to help themselves. You are committing to being ready to serve the needs of the congregation. Some of those needs will be ongoing throughout the year, and others will be when urgent matters arise. You are committing to walk with integrity and worthy of respect. You are committing to leading your family and modeling for them the love of Christ. You are committing to holding firm to the core truths of Jesus, grace, truth, faith, hope, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, and love. In Acts 6, it says that the leaders got together and said it would not be good for us to neglect, neglect our spiritual demands. So, and I quote, we don't want to wait on tables. Today, you commit to waiting on tables for this church family. The highest degree of servant you can be, modeling our Savior. Deacons, if you're willing to commit to this, please respond by saying, I will. Y'all can sit down. Now, church, would you please stand if you're able to? Here is what you are committing to today. To support our elders and deacons through prayer and encouragement. To sharing the good things of our lives with them. To following them and submitting to their discernment. We are committing to show them grace and give them mercy and allowing them to be the shepherds and servants God is calling them to be. If you as a church member are willing to commit to this, please respond by saying, we will. We will. You can sit down. Now we're going to have a prayer, and after this prayer, we'll have our closing song. If you would, bow with me. Dear God, we thank you for the fact that you have entrusted to us your ministry and your work here in Clifton and, and around the world. And we thank you that you've given us the discernment to choose these men to help us 
And God, we ask that you would give them encouragement, that you would give them wisdom and discernment in that, that you would give them humility, that you would give them your spirit. We ask that you help them to live lives that glorify you in private and in public. May the health of our body be blessed because these men are our servants. Help us as a church to be an affirming and appreciative group and to follow these men, trusting that they are following you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand for our closing song at this time. And if any of you have any prayer requests, our elders are going to be at the doors while we stand and while we sing.